everyone. I'm Trisha Gelman, and I'm the CMO of Drift. Welcome to another episode of CMO Conversations. I'm excited to have as my guest, Archana Agarwal, the CMO of Airtable. We've touched base in other episodes about one of the things that I'm passionate about, which is sales and marketing working together and breaking down silos between teams. I love the fact that Archana is also passionate about this. One of the big things as CMOs that we we are challenged with is breaking down the silos between sales and marketing, but the other is breaking down the silos within our own marketing organizations. When I joined Drift a year ago, I actually call that the time that we were doing random acts of marketing. And I say this because every team had a different idea of what they wanted to do every day and what it was that we were putting out in the market. It meant that we were measuring every single team differently and it was contributing to us having our own silos. We moved to an integrated campaign marketing model and by doing so, we aligned people across teams and we were able to unify people so they could see how they were attached to the goals of the company. This is something that I know that Archana is passionate about because it's exactly where Airtable plays in the market. And so I know today we're going to have a lot of interesting conversation and things to get through. Archana, you've been with Airtable for a little over a year now, which means that you started your role, similar to many other people, in, during COVID, which means you probably haven't met a lot of people on your team. It means that you've probably been working from home and really kind of maybe even being hiring people all over the globe. That is a new freedom that we have. So tell me a little bit, what has the last year been like for you? Thanks for having me here, Trisha. It's uh, remarkable, right? When I think you're already at uh, Airtable, it seems fantastic. But you know, I'll start with a personal story that my first day at Airtable was the day they announced shelter in place here in my area in California. And I I mean, boy, we think I had come like from seven years working at the same job in Atlassian where they had become almost like family. And here I found myself like in, in the middle of things I didn't know, I didn't understand for what you remember, you know, sometimes March last year, if uh, depending on what your family situation is, like I have a little girl. And so I think uh, remote schooling became a reality just exactly that time. You know, if you have elders, you moved into caregiving mode. All the general idea of support structure we have around us that just melted away. And even basic goods that you take for granted were hard to come by at that time, right? And in the middle of all of that, I felt that I was trying to do what you do when you have a new job, which is uh, build a team, build trusting relationships, have a point of view and a plan. And uh, so there was a lot going on at that time. And when I joined Airtable, there were about four marketers lodged in different parts of the organization uh, contributing to marketing. So Effectively, I had to go in and build the foundation of the entire sort of marketing function. Uh, it's, so, it's, um, yeah. Sorry, just it's very curious that you mentioned how the people were lodged in different parts of the organization, which I think is a new challenge. Every time I've stepped into an organization to build from like, you know, kind of from scratch from what you're describing, the team is kind of hanging out together, wondering like, who should they take direction from, but not lodged in certain in other organizations. And I think that introduces a new thing of having to build relationships with the current bosses and organizations those people are in, in order to establish your group. Did you find that that's what you had to do? 
Yeah, I think a lot of it was building those relationships, but it it also came from a place of I had to learn, right? Because, I mean, they had obviously taken the company and the function in, in sort of this distributed fashion in different parts of the company itself. They had taken it together. And when I came in, my functional partners, if you will, uh, just in terms of sheer numbers, sales, uh, product uh, engineering seemed much ahead. And so some part of it was learning why things were the way they were. Uh, Some part was bringing it into marketing, uh, developing those relationships so I have the background and don't make changes that aren't really needed. Uh, So certainly a, a big learning period. Yeah, that's excellent. And how do you how did you go about sort of like establishing these relationships with the new people on your team? And obviously, I mean, Airtable is very successful and they probably wouldn't have hired you if you were only going to be four people. So I think you had a big task of building out a bigger team as well. Yes, there's a big task of uh, building out a bigger team. I'll definitely uh, double click into sort of all of our onboarding practices, but I think that's one thing that's been very intentional at Airtable. And and I I know this is true for a lot of high growth companies as well. And so being able to build those relationships is effectively those peers with people who onboarded me. It was so welcoming, right? People were waiting for a lot of the changes that, that you know, I, I had been planning to make or, or had thought about. And so it was an extremely welcoming environment, which is great. But then you're right. I had the privilege, I'd say, uh, to hire a marketing function and bring everyone on board. And I think you mentioned earlier that one of the benefits that we unintentionally had was we sort of opened up hiring to a lot of different locations, which means that I could then focus on the actual skills and needs without having the artificial constraint of where someone lived or unnecessarily exactly time zones as long as they were overlapping ours. And so that was certainly a big benefit. And then besides that, there was a lot of intentionality again, right? Intentionality in who you hire and at what levels you hire so that can they actually, to some extent, self-start and build teams as well themselves as an onboarding. How do you build the connective tissue between folks so that we get to know each other as people and, and enjoy working with each other, but also have the ability to build joint plans. So hiring became a big part of last year. And another big part was then building culture for for the team and as I said getting to know each other so we've done a whole bunch of fun stuff as as a marketing team Um, we've made certain norms that that's probably another good thing to talk about like every team has its own sort of like life cycle right the 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 sort of forming storming norming and performing stage but given that we were a new team we had the luxury to sort of focus on the forming stage and be very intentional about what kind of practices we wanted to put in place. And so ranging from skip levels to marketing all hands to, you know, launch celebrations. And uh, my team has thus far had an Airbnb experience in Paris. We had an escape room that had to do with space and the moon. So we've been having our fun along the way. (laughs) So you've done experiences, which I would imagine in Paris is still virtual because they've experienced the same thing that we have with lockdowns and everything else. What about, you mentioned, you know, doing skip levels and, um, you know, different cadences. Would you mind sharing what you've landed on in terms of the best practice for you and your team? 
For sure. The team still continues to grow, right? While I hire my leaders, they are hiring their own teams. And so being quite deliberate about a open communication, but also communication around the plans. And I mean, at Airtable here, we use Airtable. So, so I'd, I'd be very happy to share how we do that. But there's, there's something quite remarkable about having sort of a single source of truth to know where each one of your initiatives lies and what stage it is in. And, you know, if you change plans, everybody gets to know and see it at the same time. So there's a big, big part about that. But we also use all the other tools that we have at our disposal. So another tradition, if you will, we've started is a weekly blog, a crowdsourced blog from the marketing team internal, where everyone goes and writes what their department's been working on the top two, three things. It also comes with it a thought of the week from one of the marketing leads and it also introduces one of the marketing team members uh, in a very personal way it's a place where it's like people a little newsletter in a way a little newsletter and we write thank you notes to each other in that newsletter and and so it becomes like my weekend place to go to see all right what happened this week like <laughs> what were we working on so things like that and so a lot of different traditions uh, I mentioned the marketing all hands as a way where we all can get together and talk through plans and uh, sort of hopes and dreams for the next phase too so it's uh, been part building and experimenting on what's working too. That's excellent. I love that. And I think that's something that we've looked at as well as like celebrations. We just did this. I'd have to ask the team what the name of the vendor was, but we worked with this vendor to do cocktail kits. And it was so cute. It showed up in this little tiny box and we had option like with alcohol, without alcohol, so that we could kind of be very inclusive with people. And, you know, whether it's that they're like having a clean month or they just don't drink, it's totally fine. Nobody has to like be called out. It was fun. We were just, we had a big launch in the previous month And we also had um, an internal thing that we were doing. We did a March Madness where we decided to track our steps. And so the people who had the most steps, like just especially because we have a lot of our team that's in places where it's very cold, we decided like, let's celebrate the fact that you can get outside now and make it something attractive to bring the team together. And then we had this little cocktail kits to kind of just celebrate the, who the who won, who was the most active, how did they do it, share their personal story. So it was really fun. And I think that's the kind of thing that people miss from being in the office and that it's nice to, you know, build into the culture as well. That's a great idea. I'm going to do the exercise when I've been getting that. I've been getting that hint from several folks that that's a cool <laughs> one to do. So I've all, I, I, it's going to be hard to win that one, but we'll try it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, it was a good incentive for me because I was just being lazy. You know, living here in California, we don't have bad weather, but I rented this office that's a half mile from my house during COVID since we have our downtown office closed. And I just wanted to have separation from work and I was just driving. And so I thought, okay, I could walk a half mile each way every day, even if it's raining, it's not that bad. So that's been a good new practice for me. And it came from the team's incentive. And then the other thing that we did with that, which I think is fun, and if you decide to do something with your team around steps, is we added extra points in the calculation of how people were doing based on them sharing pictures of what they were doing. So like I would post pictures of interesting things I saw on my way to work, and then I get extra points for that. And so that was cool because you get to see like what is going on in people's day-to-day life. That That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Yeah. So that was cool. Well, so one of the things that, you know, it's also good to have your sort of steps and walk around because I think people are working too much. 
It's easy when you're like, you know, taking four steps from your bedroom to like the next room or whatever it might be to say that, you know, you have more time. And so we've seen during COVID, there's been a lot of articles about people doing too many things, people taking on too many tasks. And like lots of people are experiencing burnout, especially after a year of working from home. I think people thought, well, I can do this and it's fine. But now we don't have our old routines anymore. And we have these sort of what we thought were ad hoc routines that are now become our new routines. So how have you been combating sort of this rise of tasks and overworking and burnout within teams? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a real, real thing. They say, I don't know, that's, that's a meme that's going around, right? Whether you're working from home or sleeping at work, it's hard to tell some days. But, I, and we, you know, we did a survey even amongst our own sort of customer base, our audiences, and it's, it's actually true. 80% of the marketers we surveyed said that they felt that the workloads had increased. They talked about stress. And the other day I was uh, reading a McKinsey article, actually, that, that said something to the effect that the share of digital interactions that companies had with their customers moved from, I think it was 36% in December 2019 to almost 58% by July 2020. So you can imagine if the companies themselves are going through such a large transition, right, if the customer interaction and expectation is changing, then while marketers are at the forefront of driving growth, it's bound to create a lot of change in the marketing world itself. So for sure happening across the board. The other part that was interesting and from the surveys, like marketers talked about maybe losing a good day and a half of their work week doing manual tasks or manual updates and moving things from here to there. And I and I think there's a lot of operational inefficiency as well in the process as a result of that. So a couple of things come to mind. First being very, very simply focus on operational excellence. I mean, tools, rituals, whatever it takes, because the marketing landscape has just changed so much over the last several years. I can imagine it will only keep changing more. And we feel it every time, right? Every time there's a product launch or a geos introduced or a new channel, a new media property. So much work it's created in terms of even trying to to adapt or take advantage of it and or meet our customers with a new expectation. So I think operational excellence and getting the tools that make it simple for you to really do your best job without wasting time on these status updates and verbal communication that's needed to get people on the same page. That's very important. And then the second thing is give yourself some time and and self-care is absolutely important. So in some ways, like we're all feeling it. So it should actually be easier even as leaders to acknowledge it and lean into it and actually talk about it, give it a name. You know, here we here at Airtable, the marketing team has taken a couple mental health days together as a team so that we're all offline at the same time. So helpful when you do that, because then you feel like you don't have accountability to other people and that you're sort of guilty for being off. And I see that all the time when you kind of say, okay, as a team, we're going to do something. It's just very freeing. It, is. It, it, it really is. And then the other thing I've seen so many people be intentional about is, you know, when you want to send that Slack message, just is it urgent? If not, mention it isn't. And you know what? If you can send it later and it's not your work hours, fine. Or your emails, can you schedule them later? Sure, it's a couple more points and clicks. 
but just maybe not, not interrupt someone in what's intentionally meant to be downtime. So I think uh, there, there's a few things we can do as leaders. Some part, as I mentioned, is also just Im- improving our own processes and efficiency in order to be able to do our best work without having to worry about the craft. And then the, the other is like really taking care of ourselves and each other in the process. Yeah. Have you found one of the things that I found is the team complaining about burnout, but then when you look at the last time they took a day off, there's been months and months and weeks and weeks. Do you find it hard to get people to agree to unplug? And is that one of the reasons you took sort of group mental health days? Or when you tell people, hey, this is important, and then you model it, have you found that people follow? I think if you told people it's important and modeled it, I'm sure people would learn to follow, but but also just forcing it and like taking accountability for everyone really taking a step back at the same time, I think has actually helped a lot in that regard as well. So I do believe very deeply in modeling it and because, you know, as a team, you're probably going to take a day or two off. You need People need slightly extended breaks, normal vacation, which is hard to do right now. And so definitely fall into the camp of try to model it, encourage people to take time off. When they're off, be mindful about that, even if that means changing your own processes a little bit, but also just almost forcing it by saying, hey, we're all all out, helps a lot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think the biggest challenge has been that when people are told they should take time off, there's nowhere for them to go or what are they going to do, which is changing now and it's improving. I think that's been the biggest thing. And I think that's the hardest thing to then say, okay, what can I do for self-care? Like maybe I take a bath and I take a nap every day for like the next (laughs) week because it's like, that's a self-care thing that I enjoy and it's fine. I didn't leave the house still, but I did a different routine. And I think helping people to see that and even like share and model that across the team is good too. Yes. Yes, definitely agree. And, and, you know, and when someone does manage to take a vacation, you can literally see the whole team celebrate it when they come back with their stories. <laughs> yeah, it's good to like uh, live through those people. And I find everybody has some big like series that they watched and they can share and talk about that. And that also becomes a unifying factor because a lot of people find the same things to, to watch, which is good. Well, one of the things that I think also frees up time, but people don't think of is creating integration across the teams and really being able to see like what's expected of you and your part of the marketing org versus me and my part and how do we work together and simplifying that. And I know that Airtable really helped you and your team do that. But I wonder if you could talk a little bit more of like, how are you doing that? How does it help you? And maybe even like some examples of other customers of what they've been doing. Yeah, my, my, my favorite topic. So yes, we'll definitely <laughs> share a lot, but there's nothing like a campaign or a launch that can get a team together. But but in any event, sort of marketing is so cross-functional, right? And just by the very nature of it. And so the platform that Airtable provides, and we actually launched our marketing content operation solution just last month. So I'll, I'll speak about that because that's certainly something I use both in the process to launch it, but also in our day-to-day, right? Is the ability to connect people, processes, information, all in one place. So now for a second, if you can imagine that you go to one place to understand what are, what's happening organization-wide, who's driving what initiative, what stage is it in, where are things stuck, you know, give your feedback right there, make your approvals there and then, or send things back 
and say, no, redo. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to come this way. Or I see that's your favorite part. You get very excited when you talk about the redo <laughs> and the rejection. Yes, we do. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I, I mean, I, I tell, it's, it's just been so, so incredible working with this team. But, but, but you know, the process of marketing feedback happen. cycles is just uh, something we've all got to, to sort of learn to do. And, and quite frankly, when you get a new team together, it's so beautiful seeing everyone's different styles come together to form one cohesive unit. That, that itself was such a tremendous experience. But being able to see that all in one place, one source of truth. And, and I think I mentioned this earlier, when you change plans, which we did uh, along the way on things moving or dates slipping, you know, this asset's yeah. not ready, this image is not ready, whatever else it might be. But everyone being able to pivot at the same time and not wasting sort of time in terms of trying to figure out, well, what's next? How do we manage this change? And just that cohesiveness brought so much clarity into the process. It, it truly actually decreases stress of, you know, that's associated that's what I'm saying. with I think yeah. part of part of the like stress of tasks and the added volume of tasks is people just taking on so much more and also the confusion of who's doing what and I mean, we just recently hired a program manager because I'm a true believer that you need to have this visibility, but you also need somebody who helps people see that prioritization and kind of can work across the team, even if you have a great solution, to really highlight and like from a people perspective, bring people's focus together on the right things. Yeah, and it's also very useful as, you know, marketing in general also is always launching new types of programs or pivoting new things. And and so there's a lot of trial and error simply in getting that to, let's say, production ready, right? Which is Mm -hmm. just the process, getting the process production ready. We ourselves get inspired when we see what our customers do. One that comes to mind, obviously, Equinox Group. Their business has changed so much as a result of the uh, pandemic. It was historically, as as you know, business that was almost entirely based on in-person interactions, effectively in gym, you take care of it. And when COVID hit and all of our sort of life pattern changed, they had to move quickly to at-home fitness. And Equinox Media, which is a subsidiary of Equinox Group, was the one that was leading some of the charge there. But that, that was an important move for them to make because as again, you know, the exercise part that we talked about became like super important for people yeah, to totally. keep sort of that physical health as well through this period, right? And so that happened when they launched the Equinox Plus platform. It, it has two uh, components, the Equinox Plus uh, mobile app and their SoulCycle uh, in-home bike. But when you think about the workflows that require sort of like your in-person gym training to like content-based completely yeah, this different is very model. different. Like, this is very a different what I've had to go through as a SaaS marketer for sure. Yes, and so it is uh it, it, I mean just to, to be able to, and to be able to make that pivot quickly because they, they were an Airtable customer even before the pandemic but at that time they sort of took a step back, retooled their processes, got everyone and all stakeholders to be able to go through the new processes. But now you can imagine working with partners in developing programming and then delivering that to someone's mobile app. That entire process all along the way is something that they managed to quickly be able to pivot to, right? And when you're doing that, that's when, like what you talked about, keeping everybody on the same page because they're all in a new process all of a sudden and remote. Uh, And so keeping everyone on the same page so that they have the visibility of how things are progressing becomes extremely important. 
You know, when I think about outcomes, so they were obviously able to create their entire sort of production tracking system in Airtable, but they built it out further to support their publishing APIs, which improved their uh, time to publish by 400%. And that's a great business outcome. But the other part of that is... When they launched Equinox Plus in March, um, and they looked at that through the end of 2020, the Equinox members who were using the app were working out nearly 20% more per month than they had in 2019. And so that's a great customer <laughs> outcome too. And so it's yeah, amazing. Be really, really, really cool uh, story, I think, about how they were able to make that move. And I think that goes back to say, you know, just keeping everyone on the same, same time. Digital transformation, the pace has accelerated. It's been felt in every company, every industry industry and so being able to be to to maintain that agility becomes uber important yeah I think we talked about this when we were prepping too I mean before you told me the story I feel like as a marketer we were having to pivot a lot and now I think (laughs) oh okay I have to pivot from getting people to go to a physical location and that's my success metric versus getting people to just give a crap about what I do when they can't go to the physical location that is a much heavier lift but I think that's one of the things that as marketers, we've always been able to, you know, be agile and move and and think like we're really always about problem solving. But this is a new level of flexibility and agility. I think we've learned through the pandemic. Like I just look back from the past year and first we had work from home. Then we realized, oh, this is a permanent kind of thing. Then we had Black Lives Matter. Then like we've had something almost every other month come up that is somewhat unanticipated that we have to determine like do we have to rethink our marketing our go-to-market where we're going to market how we're going to market etc this is an extreme example i think with equinox but you know what is your perspective on this sort of adaptability of marketers i I believe it's honestly maybe fortunately something we should just get used to (laughs) and something that we should (laughs) like like honestly change is going to be I I truly believe sort of part and parcel of the way we go to to market because I I mean as people are exposed to new ways of doing things simply customer expectations have also changed uh, along the way dramatic access has changed along the way when you think about how you consume, you know, media yourself or your own practices. They've probably changed so much. And how, how often do we ask ourselves, are we going to go back <laughs> to what was? And the answer is probably we aren't in a lot of different dimensions of our life. And so, and, and you're right, when we talked about COVID and the pandemic hitting in, you know, last year, it was just the start of a series of different changes, each one of which was unanticipated, right? There were the fires here that, that were happening in some way. It was just, it's extremely hard. And, and when you think about it truly, as many of us have not only global companies, but a global client base as well, global customers, families in different places, each place is having its own sort of you know, moment it, of sort of being, feeling like, all right, we're going to make it through it to, oh my God, this is harder than we imagined. And yeah. and I, I I think very positively about our, our future. I'm very optimistic that things will change and they'll change for the better. But I do believe as a, our own profession and just with the digitization that we're seeing, it's become part of how marketers should actually think about working together is with agility and and try to think about how can you constantly innovate, but with that backdrop of knowing that, you know, we started this thing with test and experiment, but yes, test, test and experiment, move ahead, but know that you might be required to meet your customer somewhere completely different. 
Yeah, and I love the fact that you brought the customer into that because I also think that that's a big thing that we've learned in the past year is I think a lot of marketers were focused on the brand and how do you think about like projecting your brand and then how do you think about the down effect of that in terms of new business. But one of the things that has become, you know, really apparent is this importance of the customer and meeting them where they are and not just focusing on meeting them to become new customers, but to be customers and to be successful and to thrive within this digital environment and especially through the digital transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Enterprise marketing itself has has really morphed over the years, right? And a couple of things, our marketing technology stack, even things like Drift included, like give us so much more information, so many more tools, access and ability, right? So simple. The fact that we run these SaaS products, that, that's a gift because you have so much more information to understand how customers truly use your product. And you can you have this front row seat, so you have more visibility and actionability than you actually ever have before. And how do you leverage that to see and understand what success truly means for your customer? And then, frankly, go back and work with your product teams to productionize that, to put that kind of sort of that, those practices into their roadmaps. And that's when I think about the Airtable marketing content op solution. I think about exactly that, right? It was seeing how customers were able to create success, how they practices were evolving and being able to make that you know the default start state for anyone who starts using the product i know drift does this with blueprints as well and other things where you're trying to show customers hey we know how this works but we want to co-create the success with you and we want to partner with you and see how you make this your own and i think that that's a big part of what marketing has uh, sort of become today I love that you're so aware of all of the analytics and the data and everything in the back. You also seem to think of like, how can you use this data to be very methodical about how you apply it to your marketing? And I'm not surprised because when we spoke, we talked about how you were a recovering developer and that you started (laughs) your career really more in computer science and on the technical side. Can you talk a little bit about how you moved and why you moved? From the technical side, which, you know, has a lot of fame and glory these days in terms of developing great product to the marketing side of the house. It was unscripted and accidental path at best, but I I joined sort of the path down engineering for exactly, I think what inspires most people is the ability to create. It's it's so cool, right? Engineers and developers, they get to create and innovate with all of these new tools and solutions. And so that was the reason why I went there. In fact, uh, my first job was at IBM Research and like what a privilege to be able to go from ideation to taking a product to market and seeing it in a customer's data center. That was just such an incredibly beautiful experience. But it also gave me the sense that I had seen it from the R&D lens. And I wanted to actually understand how do I like take a step back and look at it holistically from, from sort of the business lens, which took me to business school. And that's where I, I realized I wanted to get much closer to the customer. And the next step was in a B2C business. But if there's a lesson to be learned at all here or that if I had to repeat, I'd actually go back and do exactly the same way, which was lean in with your strengths and 
coming from sort of the developer background, I went into an adjacency where I could sort of use both that technical knowledge and the business education that I had just gotten and, and took a role in analytics and, and sort of the data background and using data to be able to make these decisions on the business front. There, as I was working, I started using Atlassian's uh, tools uh, <laughs> at my workplace, uh, collaboration products, and they materially changed the way I, I sort of led my teams and, and did my work. So if there's a second lesson to be learned here, it's follow your passion uh, and your inspiration because then work becomes uh, so meaningful. So I actually cold wrote an email to the then president of Atlassian and said I wanted to be part of the company. Uh, which, which in itself was... I think there's another lesson there, which is about not just following your passion, but be bold, be bold yes. and ask for what you want. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. There is that too. You have to ask for what you want. And it was, again, a, a, an honor to be part of that journey with Atlassian. But we spoke a little bit about this, that marketing itself is is changing so much and sort of this, cre- this aspect of really being able to create data-driven touch points for the customer and being data-informed in your customer journeys that sort of the role in Atlassian include to be able to oversee much more of marketing. And that brings me to my role here at Airtable. Again, maybe following the passion, love the product, but also it's actually going back full circle to my developer roots in that I... At the end of the day, Airtable's, you know, trying to give that power of creation that, into the hands of even non-developers, right? You're trying to make yeah. software development accessible to everyone. I almost think about it as like changing the syntax of software development. So instead of going from structured programming languages, you're giving a visual and intuitive interface for people to actually build the workflows and what they actually need to get the job done. And so it's sort of brought together both <laughs> my, my, my sort of love for the product and sort of the original reason that I pursued engineering all the way back then is to to really be able to bring this together now in this role. That's a great story. And I think it's a, it's a great marriage of things. And I mean, it's also why I ended up at Drift. Like in earlier in my career, I was at Salesforce and I saw that there was a need to kind of connect sales and marketing better together. And the head of sales was asking the CMO at the time to help fix some challenges that were happening in a certain part of the business for sales. And so I jumped in to solve the problem because I love to solve problems. And I found that like if we joined sales and marketing together more efficiently and effectively, we could see much better results. Well, then everyone else in the other sales organizations wanted the same <laughs> thing, of course. And so then I ended up building out the demand gen function at Salesforce. Well, so then when David Cancel called me and said, hey, I have this product and this offering, and I could see that it brought sales and marketing together. I thought, well, why wouldn't I go to this company? This is my passion. I get to have my podcast where I talk to marketers all the time about the challenges of sales and marketing and everything else. And it makes it easier because I have a passionate about it. And it makes it easier to kind of think about, well, how do we tell other people about it? How do we do the marketing? How do we, you know, partner with other people within the organization, which are all the roles of the CMO as well? So I totally align with you on that. I love that. And and I think part of our jobs, I think, is more like, you know, you talk about cascading goals and getting everyone on the same page. Like, I feel like part of our job is cascading the purpose of the company, right? That inspiration that you get. And, and I think it just becomes so, like, natural to do it when you're, like, so deeply inspired by the product and the way of business yourself. So I I think I love that story too. 
Yeah, I think it's great. Well, so the other thing, though, I think is like we've been going down this path as a team in terms of the team building and looking at like what does it take to make up like the diversity of a team and really looking at the different perspectives, right? So like you're very analytical. You come from this development perspective. You're probably your demand gen team is highly analytical, but then you have creative people. You have, you know, other roles. So I think, you know, really where you win is like you were talking about this passion of bringing people together and seeing it all sing. I think this is super unique to CMOs. If you look at a CRO, they may have different sales segments, but they're selling. You look at the customer success organization, they may have different challenges. They maybe have professional services, customer support, but in general, they're all like servicing the post-service customer. In marketing, we're doing a lot of different things. And I'm wondering sort of, you know, how you think about like bringing all of these people together and, and really making it sing. That's such a great point because I don't know how to describe what a traditional marketing team looks like. There's no like single definition that I've actually been able to articulate yeah. on what, what what is a traditional <laughs> marketer anymore, right? So my own background, I think it actually gives me some strength with being able to say, all right, it's, it's data-driven, data-backed. How, how do you actually build a lot of method around your positioning, around your campaign, so on and so forth, but also makes it incredibly easy for me to see then the diversity of skills that it actually takes to bring that to life in, in, in different ways. And so when I talk about to my leaders and one of even during the process of interviews that I almost ask anyone entering the marketing team is like, what is your passion? What is What do you know like at the back of your hand? And please tell me the other things that you know you're going to partner with others for because I'd love to believe like we're horizontal, amazing in all possible ways. But the reality is the things that we gravitate towards. And if you have the self-awareness and sort of both the learning mindset as well, like just the eagerness to learn, it opens yourself up to actually learning from diverse skill sets, which I truly believe helps you actually improve your own talent along the way. And so it's it's about finding those, you know, unique combinations that you can create in so many. It's, a, it's such a magnificent one that you can create within marketing, right, of different skills and different backgrounds to be able to truly create an A-plus team that has coverage around getting you sort of the best customer experiences that you want to be able to, to create. I love that. And I love those questions. I think that's very telling. And that's something I'm going to steal from my interviewing because I think it does, it does play out. I think people have their like natural place and natural way of working. And then you have the environment that you don't really control of your company. And it's important because people coming in, they don't know what that is. So figuring out for people in some way, or at least revealing to them, hey, like this is how our environment is. It's very uncertain. You know, we're in this uh, sort of growth, hyper growth mode where, you know, there's not time to handhold people, whatever. Like, is that okay for you? Like, is it go against the grain of sort of what makes you happy every day in the way that you work or something like that? So I love that. Now, we have this diversity of team that's happening today, but what's your perspective on where we're headed as marketers? Do we see added diversity? Do we see consolidation of role? Like, what do you think is happening? And even like, where do you think marketing lives? Like you inherited a team that was spread out and was diverse. Do you think that's where marketing goes in the future? Or do you think it's becoming more like codified in terms of a standalone organization? Yeah, that's a great question because 10 years ago, if you asked me whether two CMOs would be exchanging stories over a podcast, I don't know if I'd have been able to say, yes, that was bound to happen because marketing, as you know, is changing so much. So I think the 
nature of our audiences in the world that we interact with is changing itself so much, right? Everyone's becoming a creator. Look at it across all platforms, right? The TikTok or YouTube, Instagram, the Airbnb experiences, right? How creative was that for someone to actually do that? Or people trying a creative hand in cloud kitchens. There's just such a Etsy. There's so many of these platforms where people get to express in various ways. And these are all our audiences or these are our audiences that that our our companies are trying to to attract as well and that's changing the nature of interactions or expectations quite fast. And I'm not talking only about sort of like the volume of interactions you have or the format of interactions, but the space between this or, or the kind of experiences people expect are changing. So previously you had someone who had owned media versus earned media versus paid media, you know, and now you can see things are beginning to converge. The skill sets. Yeah that you're asking for are changing. Your own marketing org structure as a result is changing because of all of that. So yes, I expect these changes to continue. I don't think it's getting codified. In fact, I think it's, the, there's, it's going to change even much more. And what we will be hiring for in the next couple of years is also going to be changing as a result of that. So I, I think that, that that part is here to, to, to stay, right? The other thing, I also think there's going to be a lot more intelligence and creativity that has to be sort of like built into marketing and I mean sort of data intelligence and here's one thing I'm telling you on one hand that hey we have to be part of so many more conversations in so many more different places the other hand I'm actually going to say it's hard to do that because you know with all of these algorithms that have learned to tailor future behavior based on past like as an example I use Alexa at home she knows what I need to reorder when I need to, to, to order it, right? <laughs> what about all of those hundred brands that want to get into that list? I don't know how they do it as easily. They're going to require creativity and innovation in terms of being able to do that. And that that's some part that I think marketing is also going to change because not only do we have to be on these many surface areas, but even being able to do that in the correct way so that it adds customer value at the end of the day and we're able to find the right mix is going to change the makeup of our teams as well to be able to bring in a lot more of that talent. Yeah, I've seen over the past 10 years, I would say just in the marketing that I'm doing myself, 10 years ago, we may have led our marketing with a list of features and really highlighted getting people to a feature page on a website. And today, I literally don't know how many people ever go to a feature page on a website because they're making the decision about whether they want to work with you based on the brand and experience and word of mouth or other things that they've heard way before they would ever get to that page. And I think, you know, your Alexa experience and how people are going to break in, it's not going to be because someone buys an ad in some channel that happens in Alexa, it's going to be because you bump into an experience probably that piques your interest in that brand. And so then you become the curious one that then goes to seek it out more so than in the past where the brands drove the discussion and they kind of led with like pushing to you and kind of attracting you in. And so it's a totally different way of thinking about things. And I love the fact that you're talking about how everyone needs to be creative. One of my favorite books is The Rise of the Creative Class, which is actually a pretty old book. 
but it's so relevant to what you were just saying and really this idea of being creative and the power of creativity to differentiate and build experience, which I think is really much more of what people care about yeah, today. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's so true. So we only have a few minutes left and I wanted to just ask you two more questions. Yes. So one thing that I find very interesting is that you are advising other companies. I don't know how you have time, but that's a whole separate thing. We won't talk about that. But you sit on the board of Zendesk and MongoDB, both of whom are companies that have been, you know, astronomically successful, grown with hyper growth and really been, I think, quite purposeful of how they've been doing that. So how did you end up being a part of these boards and, you know, how did that influence or is it part of how you ended up at Airtable? They're such incredible companies and it's such a privilege to be part of their journeys. I think there's a similar thread between a a lot of these companies, right? They're very focused on getting people to try their product, deeply experience it, get, get understand value before they even make a purchase decision, right? So that's one part of it. But the other part is that's so deeply committed to transformation, you know, of team productivity, of innovation, of being able to help their customers move quickly. And so there's so many parallels between all of these businesses that it's it's truly great to, to, to see it. These sort of came... By my way, almost, uh, I think in some part, very fortunate that it happened, but also uh, maybe being able to hit the ground running and actually help. Because one of the things I realized with uh, Atlassian and prior experiences is that they just exposed me to a lot of how these businesses would operate at scale, right? And and some part of that, when you think about it, uh, and I'll take Atlassian as an example, but when you think about that, you think about it serving so many different audience types. You think about it, so many different products in different sort of phases of product maturity. And so there were many different lessons that I think that I could relate to and, and sort of take with me and bring to the table when when working with Zendesk or MongoDB. And that's certainly a big part of it. But uh, it's also been a tremendous learning experience for me, right? Because when you're working with some of these leaders and seeing them operate these amazing brands at scale, alongside with other board members, you get to also like truly see leadership in action. Uh, You see people giving advice and support, but you also learn about, you know, relentless education and execution and also, you know, strategic focus and the long-term thinking. And those are all muscles. I think no matter, you know, how long we work, we'll always be building and trying to get better at. And so being able to learn from them is also just truly remarkable. That's excellent. And I think for me personally, that's a long-term goal is that I have the time and then also have the ability to help other companies and be on their boards in, you know, in official capacity. So I'd love to chat with you more about that. And, that. and also it's probably more personal of like how you actually make the time with children and work from home <laughs> and being a CMO in a new company. So that's for a whole other conversation. This has been such a great chat and we are out of time, which is hard to believe that we've been chatting for almost an hour, but I always end the episode with the same question. And that question is about a lesson. What is the one most important lesson that you believe you've learned along your career that you would love to share with the audience? Yeah, so I think uh, if I had to choose one, it would be to lead with curiosity and an eagerness to learn. 
Two, two, two main reasons. You know, when I think about we all start going wanting to become sort of like domain experts, and that's really, really great, but domains are always changing. And so to truly be a domain expert, you must always sort of have that learning mindset and sort of have that curiosity. And then secondly, sort of the, the eagerness to learn, I think I mentioned this earlier, sort of opens you up to a diversity of ideas. And that truly actually helps improve, you know, the, your own skill, your own learning. And actually the side benefit of that is you get to get, get to meet wonderful people and create wonderful relationships. So that people-orientedness, I, I'd certainly say intellectual curiosity and an eagerness to learn is is, is key. Is there one thing or person that you have interacted with through this intellectual and sort of learning mentality that you would feel like just having this mentality introduce you to that concept or that person and really helped you in your career? I think, I, I mean, there have been so many tremendous people to help me in my career, but it would almost be unfair to to choose one person because I was actually telling one of one of my team members that it's almost like every interaction that I have with them, I almost think to myself, like, it's a learning experience, right? Some part of it is you, you hire a, a lot of folks or you work or choose to work with peers that bring a completely different dimension so that when you, as I said, you sort of pair together and you can make a really powerful combination and so I'm actually quite mindful in those interactions when I have with folks around thinking about what can I learn from this because this is quite it it, it sort of even takes the conversations down for a very uh, exciting path. I love that and I think it's something that in mentoring leaders on my teams or people outside the company that I work with I always try and get people to think about how they can hire people who know more than they do And for early managers, I think it's very scary. Like they feel like it's their responsibility to know everything. But as marketers, there's so much happening, especially with the pace of growth and change. It's impossible to know everything at the depth that's going to open up true scale for you and your company. And so I think that that's a really interesting way to think about it is we have these leadership principles at Drift. And one of them is to be a constant learning machine. And I think it fits really well with what you're saying, because, you know, our belief is if we are a hyper growth company, then the way we function today is going to be different than the way we function in six months to a year or beyond. And if we want to have people participate in this journey, then they have to learn and grow because probably the expectations in their job are different even along the way. And that means everybody has to be learning and growing together. Absolutely. Yes. Learning machine. I love that. (laughs) Well, this has been a great conversation, and I would assume that if people have additional questions for you, which maybe they will, that they could connect with you on LinkedIn and maybe just following you on LinkedIn, they would be able to sort of ask you questions about what you're posting and and comments and get to know you a little bit better. Is that true? Absolutely, yes. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for participating in this conversation today. I want to thank our listeners for participating in this episode as well. If you enjoyed this conversation, please give us a six-star review in whatever platform it is that you go and you find your podcast. If you're looking for more CMO content, then this is one of the things I'm very passionate about is this changing landscape of the role of the CMO. And so I also have a newsletter and you can sign up for the newsletter and we're starting to pull some like added content from the podcast into some of the Q&A of the newsletter as well. So go and check that out. You can find it at drift.com slash chief slash marketing dash officer as well. 
Thank you so much, Archana, for being a part of this episode. And thank you to the listeners for um, going on this journey with us today. Thank you, Trisha. This was so wonderful to get to connect with you today. Excellent. 